Fire in the Mountains, Chapter 8 It had been dark for hours, and Shoto, Ochako, and Momo were lighting the way with magic by the time they reached the castle. It was much farther to walk than it had been to fly on Kirishima's back. Shoto was exhausted down to his core. So was Kiri. They were met with bewildered soldiers and then more bewildered servants who, under a command from Kotsky, led all the townspeople away to private rooms. Shoto, Kiri, and Kotsky all trudged up the stairs to their room, and Shoto actually followed the other two in before he remembered he had his own place to sleep. He blushed furiously and excused himself, but not before Mina and Denki both yanked him into the relieved hug they shared with Kotsky and Kirishima. And then Shoto slept. The next day, Kotsky met with his generals. He had Shoto tell them all he'd seen, and after, when Shoto left the room as quickly as he could, heart in his throat, Kotsky actually chased after him. Hey, Haffy, wait! Shoto drew up short and looked around, holding his breath so he wouldn't give himself away by panting. He fixed Kotsky with a very firm, dry stare, and Kotsky said, Are... are you... I never thanked you, Shoto said abruptly. Thank you. Kotsky glared. It was the most Shoto could muster for the moment. He knew deep down that Kotsky deserved more, but Shoto couldn't bring himself to. To grovel like that. Instead, he went to see what the villagers were up to. The answer was training. Apparently without typical village chores to tend to, the large majority of them entertained themselves by honoring their combat skills. <clears throat> Shoto found a big group of them in Kotsky's training area. Denki, Kiri, and Mina were there too. When Shoto showed up, they pushed him into the ring with Denki. It was an invigorating fight. Denki didn't move much, but he was hard to get close to and Shoto had to use ice to dull the shock of the electricity that sprung from Denki's body. And since it wasn't a real fight, Shoto didn't use his fire much at all. It was harder to control. Too dangerous. When it was over, Shoto found himself more tired than he should be. But his heart was racing, and a healthy sheen of sweat coated his skin. It felt good to spar. And after everything that had happened, Shoto needed to fight. He needed to. He needed to train. He needed to be better. At the end of the first day, Izuku met him as he walked off the training pitch, and Ochako, Momo, and Sue all walked on together with Mina, who seemed to have made friends fast with all of them. Wow, Prince Shoto, that was incredible. I had no idea you were so strong. Shoto felt his lips pulling up, and he said, It was nothing. He hadn't done much to be proud of, really. Oh, don't say that, 
Izuku enthused. I know strong magic when I see it. Shoto just smiled at him. He found himself on the training pitch a lot after that. Sometimes he sparred, and sometimes he didn't. But he got to see a lot of what the townspeople could do. He never actually saw Izuku fight, though, which struck him as strange, since he was fairly certain Izuku could at least fight a little, with the way everyone had been talking about him back at the village. Finally, when Shoto had sparred with everyone who was here on a regular basis at least twice, and had only seen Izuku dish out advice, Shoto found himself breaching the subject first. Izuku. Izuku turned around. Shoto had just arrived for the first time today, had taken a look around, and found himself sighing internally. Denki and Mina and Kiri were all there, but had just sitting around and laughing with Ochako and Sue. Toshi was taking a little group of townsfolk through a series of sparring drills on the far side of the pitch. Kotsky was here too, but he wasn't fighting. He sparred frequently, too, but never with Shoto again. And Shoto certainly wouldn't ask him to, though the thought of really being able to flex his magic again made his heart race shamefully. And he usually left if he noticed Izuku was here. Not today, though. Today, he was talking quietly with Shota and Hisashi, while they all watched Toshi lead his drills. Hi, Prince Shoto, Izuku said brightly. Shoto blushed immediately, like he always did when Izuku looked at him like that. It was one of the reasons he'd avoided exchanging much more than passing pleasantries with Izuku since he'd gotten back. Izuku made Shoto's chest feel too warm, and it was frustrating. Hi, Shoto murmured. Would you like to spar with me? Something flashed over Izuku's face. It could have been interest. It could have been fear. He said, uh, I'm not sure that's such a good idea. I won't use my magic, Shoto reassured him. I've sparred with everyone else quite a bit, he added. He needed some variety. Also, some of them just refused to spar with him anymore. Said it wasn't fun when he just tied them up with ice, and if he didn't, they knew he was going too easy. And if he didn't use magic at all, well, he still easily bested the overwhelming majority of them at hand-to-hand. -hand. The only one who'd come close to matching him was Mina. Um... Izuku said, a strange little half-smile on his face and a brilliant red flush across the bridge of his nose. That, that's, uh, that's not... Shoto felt his face fall, and he quickly hid the expression. It's all right, I... But Izuku cut him off and said, All right, sure, um, sure. If you don't want to. No, it's... I haven't really sparred in a while. It'll be fun. No magic, Shoto said again. He didn't want Izuku to think he had to worry about getting burned. No one seemed to appreciate that. 
That odd little look came over Izuku's face again, but he just said, If you think that's best. Shoto agreed, and they walked out onto the pitch. Shoto was not expecting the reaction he got. The whole training area suddenly got very quiet, and when Shoto looked around, he found everyone watching them. Toshi had even stopped his training drills. Looks like we have an audience, Izuku said cheerfully. Shoto didn't say anything. He just gave Izuku the friendly bow that usually started these matches. Izuku smiled, bowed back, and then suddenly fell into a loose fighter's stance that Shoto didn't recognize. It looked a little sloppy and a little untrained. Shoto felt a fall of disappointment in his chest. He'd hoped this would be something of a challenge, but... He took two steps forward, and Izuku took two steps back, and... And he was, well, a lot faster than Shoto thought he would be, given his size. Shoto took another step in, and Izuku leaned back, smiling, feet just light and shuffling like he was about to start dancing. Well, Shoto flowed through a combination he'd known since he was a child. A quick step in, a little twist, and a grab meant to fling his opponent over his hip, except he actually couldn't get his hands on Izuku. Izuku weaved away from him, and when he'd created distance again, he said, Wow, Prince Shoto, you're so fast. Shoto could have thought Izuku was taunting him if he hadn't watched Izuku taunting Kotsuki weeks ago at the village. If he didn't know exactly what Izuku sounded like when he was taunting, this wasn't that. This time, Shoto, when Shoto threw himself forward, Izuku didn't weave away. He fucking countered every one of Shoto's hits, knocking Shoto's hands and feet off path with quick little slaps with the tips of his fingers. And then he did it again, and again, and again, until finally Shoto glared at him in frustration and the ground under his right foot went icy. Shoto clenched his jaw and stomped the ice away. And Izuku said brightly, You can use your magic if you think it'll help. I don't mind. Shoto bit his tongue and threw himself in again. And again, again. Fight back. He heard himself hiss when Izuku just brushed him off for what felt like the hundredth time. The words just slipped out, born of frustration. Izuku frowned at him and said very apologetically, I don't want to hurt you, your highness. Shoto kept his expression schooled and empty, but his magic always got a little too excited when he sparred. When Izuku spoke, he said something so thoroughly condescending in that lovely, sunny voice. Shoto's personal barrier broke for just a second, and a burst of fire flared from his hand. He yanked it back quickly, heart rate spiking as he realized the blast had been aimed directly at Izuku. 
And then Izuku waved his hand, flicked his wrist, and a little flash of green light that Shoto almost didn't see. And then Shoto's fire just flickered out. Shoto felt a blast of air rush past his ears a second later, and he drew up short in shock. Izuku had magic. But it was strange. For one, Shoto had trouble sensing it. And it was almost like the magic he was smelling didn't quite match up with Izuku in some way. Like it didn't quite smell like him at all. Izuku looked at him and smiled and said, and Shoto said, Magic? Shoto shrugged one shoulder and said, Sure. And at that exact second, Shoto sprung away from him, ice careening out of from the toe of his boot, and Izuku just disappeared. He was there one second and gone the next, and that was the only whistle of displaced air that made Shoto jerk and raise a massive blast of fire on his right side to keep Izuku from reaching him. Izuku stumbled away from him, and Shoto felt like singing. Izuku was faster than anyone Shoto had ever sparred against. Shoto was going to have to be very creative if he wanted to catch Izuku. And ice. It only seemed fair. Shoto covered the pitch with it, rose a massive wall of it, rolling away from him, crawling like an abnormally fast glacier. And in a burst of green lightning, Izuku was just gone again. And there, no, he was there, and no. Shoto had to spin to keep up, pushed his eyes out hard and shrunk the sparring space, tried to bring Izuku in closer. He was a bright green streak, flitting around like a little bug, but Shoto was closing in, bringing his eyes higher and higher, backing Izuku into a trap. Izuku drew up short then, eyes flicking around, and Shoto knew he finally saw what Shoto was doing, but by that point, the trap was sprung, and Shoto tried to send the last wall into place. Shoto just stopped, and Izuku just looked around, and then pulled back his hand. Shoto furrowed his brow, because it almost looked like Izuku intended on punching through the ice. The last wall slammed into place. Shoto lost sight of Izuku for just a second, and then a massive shockwave shook the whole arena. The ice broke apart, exploded out from the place where Izuku was standing, and sent enormous spikes of ice flying through the air with a huge flash of green light. Shoto had to think fast. He hurled out a few bursts of flame to break up the most dangerous pieces of falling ice. When he turned back to Izuku, he saw him darting away and leaping into the air to catch the largest piece that Shoto had missed. He wrenched it to the ground before it could do any serious damage, and Shoto just stared at him, frustration and anger completely forgotten. That thing you did with the ice was amazing, Prince Shoto, Izuku said cheerfully, straightening up from a haunch and wiping some of the sweat from his forehead. 
I don't know who'd win in a real fight. Shoto stared at him with his brows raised and shook his head a little dazed. He wasn't sure either. Izuku stood up, shook out his tunic, and then drew up short. Shoto turned too, and saw Katsuki glaring at Izuku from across the pitch, hands by his side, and sparks just falling from his hands in erratic, broken steam. When Shoto glanced at Izuku, he saw him frown with something that looked an awful lot like guilt pulling at his eyes. And then Kotsky started stalking over, and Izuku actually cursed under his breath, which made Shoto's heart skip. It sounded wrong. Uh, Kachan. No. Kotsky said sharply enough that Shoto actually jerked a little. It, it, it was just a sparring match. Spar with me. That's not a good idea, Kachan. Izuku said pleadingly, like maybe they'd had this conversation before. Prince Shoto was just, shut the fuck up and fight me. Kotsky hissed, and then Shoto had to fling himself out of the way because Kotsky held up both hands and blasted Izuku with heat and flame. Izuku moved. He dodged it easily, and Kotsky turned a little slowly, hand up like he was lining up a shot. Kachan, please! Izuku drawed in obvious exasperation. We don't need to! Fuck you! Kotsky said louder this time. Stop avoiding me! Stop! Fucking fight, you pansy-ass bitch! Kotsky, Shota began, while he was still standing close enough that he could hear him. But Kotsky didn't indicate that he heard. Izuku, however, looked him in the eye and shook his head once, very sharply. And then he said, I think... You owe me! That much, Deku! Kotsky hissed, and Izuku got very quiet all at once. Kotsky dropped his hands, curled them into fists at his side, and just glared, leered. Shoto had no idea what that expression meant. His lips were pulled up in a smile that looked more like a grimace, and his eyes were tight and furious. Izuku said quietly, Fine. And Shoto didn't see anything for several long seconds after that. He had to throw himself backwards again, scramble out of the arena to avoid landing in the middle of something he knew he didn't want to step into. He literally couldn't see Kotsky and Izuku moving. They spun around each other like leaves in a tornado. And Shoto caught only flashes of them, little vignettes. His hands coming together here, a punch to the face, a kick to the stomach. He's. he's really angry, Mina whispered to Shoto's side. He hadn't heard her approach. When Shoto turned his head, he saw Ochako with one hand over her mouth and the other stuck to Kiri's shoulder. Kiri held that hand with one of his and clenched the other at his side. Toshi wandered over, too, 
and Shoto heard him mutter to Shota. Oh dear, Hyunkatsuki is. You should stop this. Shota answered, for once not sounding quite so sleepy. Toshi said, No, no, let them... Maybe they just... And he trailed off again. It was easily the most miraculous display of magic Shoto had ever seen. He wasn't sure if his fight with Kotsky had looked anything like this. But if it had, no wonder all the servants bowed at him in the halls now. Kotsky was just... Incredible. There were no other words for it. The way he moved was just so... He knew exactly how his magic worked, and he knew exactly how to use it. He was a lightly built man, and he just flew through the air, propelled by explosion after explosion, many of which Izuku only barely managed to dodge. If Kotsky was incredible, Izuku was just as jaw-dropping. He could move, stepped and twisted like a dancer, and threw light kicks and punches that were incredibly deceptive. They looked effortless, like taps, but Kotsky avoided every single one, and they sent huge gusts of wind rolling over the onlookers. The first time Izuku landed one, Kotsky went skidding across the field, rolling and tumbling in a way that made everyone hiss and pull back. We don't have to, Izuku began, but then Kotsky was blasting himself up, flying at Izuku again. Fight, you fucking coward! And then Kotsky blasted Izuku in the chest so that Izuku went spiraling backwards, only a very dexterous twist at the last second saving him from real damage. Kiri, Denki whispered suddenly, voice quivering a little. We should stop this. This is stupid, Gachan! You're stupid! Kiri shook his head. I... I don't know. They hurled themselves at each other again, and suddenly it wasn't a sparring match so much as a brawl. They stopped vaulting away from each other, just punched and kicked and threw their weight around, and Hizuku said, You're being childish! And Shoto jerked back a little in shock when Izuku added viciously, You haven't changed at all, have you, Gajan? I never changed! Kotsky spat, flinging all of his weight into a devastating kick that brought Izuku, caught Izuku right in the gut. You changed! I didn't! You left! Izuku hunched a little, hand to his stomach, and then drew up short. Kachan! You left! Kotsky hurled himself at Izuku, and Izuku caught his wrist, and he threw a wild punch. You left! You fucking worthless! You liar! Kachan! Shoto didn't actually hear Izuku speak this time, but he saw his lips move. He knew what he was saying. 
He caught his Kotsky's other wrist and held him, all his muscles flexing, holding them close, while Kotsky tried to wrench away. Let go of me! Let go, you fucking bastard! And then his voice went very high when he said again, You left! His tone made Shoto's chest hurt just to hear. Izuku was muttering low, too low for anyone to hear, but Kotsky was screaming, I'll fucking kill you! You son of a bitch, let me go! Let me! Stop it, Kachan! Izuku hissed, voice raising again. There were, there were actually tears in his eyes. You left! I hate you! You fucking... Koski wrenched back and Izuku finally let him go. A split second later, a tremendously loud crack cut the far too silent air of the training arena. Izuku took two steps back, hand flying to his cheek, and Koski just stared at him, chest heaving. Shoto saw Izuku's face crumble. He saw his eyes overflow and could see, even from here, the tears running down his cheeks. He didn't say anything. Kotsky whirled around and stalked away, face twisted in violent, vicious satisfaction. He stomped furiously past the onlookers, past Mina and Kiri and Denki, who all looked at each other and then back at Kotsky, and ultimately didn't say anything at all. He left the arena, door slamming behind him, and when Shoto looked back at Izuku, he saw him standing very still in the center of the training pitch, eyes hidden in his hand. Ochako broke the spell that seemed to have fallen over the whole group. She muttered, Oh, sweetie, and stepped out onto the training pitch. When she put her hand on Izuku's shoulder, he immediately gathered her up in an embrace, put his head against her neck, and hugged her, and something about it made Shoto ache all over. Mina whispered, Kiri, you should. Yeah, Kiri said, voice a little hoarse. I'll, I'll talk to him. He didn't move, though. Even when Izuku's people all disbanded, muttering to themselves, and looking at Izuku and Achako with expression Shoto might thought might have been pity. Shoto stood there for a long time and had no idea what to do. He wasn't sure why he felt like he should do anything at all, but he was suddenly sure he couldn't be here. Mina and Denki were chewing at their lips, looking at Izuku at the door where Kotsky had disappeared. Izuku's Shoto's chest clenched again. Izuku's shoulders were shaking, and Ochako was just holding him. And then Sue walked up too, and he tucked her into the embrace without lifting his head. Shoto muttered, What? What happened between them? I don't know. Mina answered immediately, voice pitched low even though she didn't seem at all hesitant to talk. 
it was over before I knew Kotsky. He was with Kiri for a few years before I met him. Me too, Denki added. And I always knew there was someone else, but Kotsky never talks about him. Everything I know I got from Kiri. She jerked her chin at Kirishima, and Kiri's cheeks suddenly got very red, and he looked down at the ground. He looked at Izuku, too, then, and Shoto wondered if he was going to go after him instead. But then, he jerked his chin towards the door, and wordlessly all three of them started to move. So Shoto did, too. They wandered in a little clump down the, the few empty hallways, until... Kiri ducked into a room with a soft torchlight and a few chairs, and then he hissed all at once. It's... it's my fault. Mina and Denki both drew back in surprise, and then Kiri just crumbled. It's all my fault. What are you talking about? Denki said gently, coming over and putting his hands around Kiri's waist. That's not true, he added, though his voice went up a little high at the end and he looked around at Mina for help. Of course it's not, Mina said. Why would you think that, sweetheart? She stepped forward and brushed Kiri's hair out of his eyes. It is true. Kiri groaned miserably. They were happy before they met me. You don't know that, Shoto said without thinking. They all turned and looked at him, and Shoto felt his cheeks flush. I just mean, he muttered, you don't know what they were like before you knew them. How could you? And then he crossed his arms over his chest for good measure. They clearly hate each other now. Mina actually laughed. <laughs> oh, honey, you think that's what that was? Shoto pursed his lips a little. They just tried to murder each other. Denki shook his head. Kotsky doesn't get nearly that mad at people he actually wants to murder. He wanted to hurt him, Kiri mumbled. Izuku, he's so nice, and Kotsky really wanted to. Kiri groaned again. I thought it would be better if they just saw each other again, he admitted. Kiri, what happened with them? Mina looked and sighed in exasperation. Just tell us already. I... I really don't know exactly. Kiri admitted with a little sniffle. <laughs> Except maybe, well, they'd argue sometimes, and maybe Kotsky would come be with me after. Mina and Denki both made a face like they'd gotten their fingers pinched in a door. 
and Mina muttered, Oh, no. Kiri nodded grimly. I'm sorry. What's the matter? Shoto interrupted. Aren't all of you people sort of... <sighs> you flatlanders are hopeless, Mina said wryly, crossing her arms over her chest. He means Izuku was jealous. Shoto furrowed his brows again. I'm fairly certain his wife is, um, <clears throat> uh, sleeping with that Sioux woman, and he doesn't seem to mind. <sighs> I have no idea how to explain this, and Mina announced, looking at Denki for help. Denki chewed his lip. <sighs> if Kotsky gets in an argument with one of us, he has to talk about it with us if if we had a disagreement and i went off and and fucked kiri kiri snorted shut up you know what i mean instead instead and i just ignored kotsky that's fucked up see no shoto said deadpan why does it matter Oh, it's no use trying to explain it, Mina muttered. He doesn't know what it feels like to be in love. Shoto tilted his head a little because he would certainly say he loved his sister and brothers. Brother, he corrected silently with a sudden nauseous lurch. Kotsky loves all of us, Mina said slowly. If it was like what Denki said, it'd be like, mm, Denki loved Kiri more, or maybe respected him more, or something. It would hurt Kotsky's feelings, make him feel like Denki didn't need him. Shoto was silent, trying to process this information. He didn't realize jealousy was something Outland people understood at all and jealousy between all the various webs of commitment they all wove around each other seemed particularly difficult to conceptualize. He's never done that to me, Denki said thoughtfully. Shoto thought absently of the way Kotsky spent time alone with all three of them. Not Shoto, of course, because neither of them really wanted that. After that first time... But the other three, Koski shared private meals with each of them, or horseback rides, or walks around the castle. Even now, when he was so obviously busy and overwhelmed with the necromatic threat they had all tried not to think about, he still found time to be with all of them. Me either, Mina muttered, and Kiri shook his head. And if Shoto, and Shoto wondered if Azuku had been wrong. If maybe Kotsky had changed after all. When Shoto went back to his room, he found Kotsky in the corridor. He was sitting on the floor with his hands on his head and his elbows on his knees, and Shoto drew up short, looking around sharply and thinking he'd taken the wrong hallway. But his room was at the end of two private hallways, and no one else lived in this part of the castle. 
Shoto saw servants sometimes, but never Kotsky or any of his people, unless they were looking for Shoto. He didn't notice Shoto right away, and Shoto considered quickly turning around and leaving so as not to disturb him, but before he could make up his mind, Kotsky looked up and, met and muttered, Well, shit. Uh, <clears throat> I was just... Shoto muttered, motioning to his bedroom door. That's right. Kotsky answered, tone low and emotionless. Your room is down here. Yes. I forgot. Shoto stared at him. He had his head down again and probably couldn't see. Shoto could leave or tiptoe to his own room and shut the door behind him. Those were two very solid options. So he wasn't sure why he walked to the end of the hall and sat down on the floor beside Gotsky. Maybe because his eyes were red and his voice was... Well, he always had a low, gravelly sort of voice, but now it just sounded just hoarse, broken. It shocked Shoto to the tips of his fingers and toes to think that Kotsky had been crying, but when he looked around at Shoto, at least, his eyes were dry. <sighs> You're gonna tell me what an immature prick I am, Haffy? Fucking cruel, violent, shithead asshole? No. Shoto said quietly. Do you want me to? Kotsky huffed and put his head down again. Kiri thinks what happened between you and Izuku is his fault. What? Kotsky said, sharply lifting his head. Why would he think that? Shoto shrugged. Something about you choosing him over Izuku mm, made Izuku jealous. Kotsky glared. That is not what happened. Shoto turned his head and looked off down the hallway. Deku loves Kiri. Kotsky muttered. This wouldn't happen if you heathens just took one lover and be done with it like the rest of the civilized world. Some of us do, Kotsky replied petulantly. And what do you know about it anyways, you half and half bastard? You don't know shit about shit. Shoto tilted his head back against the wall. I know ex-lovers in my kingdom don't typically try to bring buildings down around each other's ears. Don't you people marry off for money and status and shit mostly? You don't know what it's like to... To what? To feel that way about someone. What way? Like... You hate their fucking guts, but not seeing them every day is worse. Mina says you don't hate him. Mina can suck a dick, Kotsky spat. And since when are you two gossiping with each other? 
Shoto shrugged his shoulder. Kotsky stared off down the hallway, and after a long, silent beat, he said, I should probably, like, apologize and shit, right? I don't know. It would have been different, Kotsky said sharply, if he just told me instead of just told you what? That he was leaving. That he wanted to. What would that have changed? Back then? Kotsky answered, turning his head a little and fixing Shoto with an amused, bitter sort of stare. Nothing. Shoto stared at the cuticles on his right hand and made lacy patterns of frost crystallize on his nails. I thought I could handle fucking seeing him. Koski hissed. Shit. Every fucking day. It's a big castle. Don't see him. Shit kind of fairy tale world do you live in, princess? Shoto chuckled once, coldly, without meaning to. It was a sound he hadn't made in a while. A sound that Inji made far too often. You ever... Kotsky began, but then he trailed off. Hmm? Had a Deku. Shoto looked up at him and had no idea what he meant. Um... Or... A Kiri, or a Mina, or a Denki. Someone you cared about. Shoto stared down the hall. My schedule back home was quite rigorous and regimented. I certainly didn't have time to meet or develop some kind of strong emotion for anyone. Kind of regimented. My father was very particular about my studies. And when you weren't studying? Read in my room. Maybe. Maybe made flowers out of frost is what he was thinking. Trained. Privately. What did you do for fun? I enjoy training. Who the shit doesn't? I meant aside from that. Shoto turned and fixed Koski with a dry stare. That was it. Koski tilted his head and looked at Shoto like maybe he'd never seen him quite before. You're kind of fucked up, aren't you, princess? What do you mean? Shoto couldn't quite help but press, a little amused in spite of himself. I mean, your daddy fucked you up, didn't he? Shoto stared some more. You ever had, like, like a crush? A crush? Yeah, like a stupid fucking crush. Like someone you think is sexy, makes you feel all shy and stupid and shit. 
Shoto thought of Izuku and very suddenly, deliberately said, No. Look, you're a full-grown fucking man, and you've never had a crush before? Shoto stared again. What about shit? Just someone you want to fuck. Excuse me? Come on. Fucking anyone you thought might, like, taste good. Or feel good to touch, or shit. What are you playing at, Kotsky? Shoto finally asked. Make your point. I mean... Wait. Do you want any of that stuff? What stuff? Sex. Don't play fucking dumb. I know you were there the day that Denki and I... <coughs> Shoto cleared his throat very sharply and felt his stomach thrash around in his gut. Do you want that stuff? Shoto looked at Kotsky out of the corner of his eye, but Kotsky was staring at him without his usual manic enthusiasm. Shoto thought maybe Kotsky was actually being sincere. I suppose... Shoto said carefully, um, that under the right circumstances, uh, with a partner who, um, <clears throat> certain things might not be terrible. Kotsky snorted. <laughs> Shit, how the fuck did you end up here? I truly do not know. Anyways, that's what I mean, Kotsky said. Your daddy's not here. He can't control your life anymore. And then with a little laugh, Kotsky said, <laughs> you need to get laid. I am very uncomfortable with that assertion, and I also fail to see what that has to do with you and Nizuku. Right. Goski muttered, sagging a little. Shitty fucking Deku. Have you made any progress finding? No. Goski whispered. We've got armed guards all over the major cities. But it looks like they're only targeting the really small villages. We have no idea where they're going to hit next. They were moving along the border, which is why we thought it was all fucking edgy. But now, how many people? Shadow asked quietly. Kotsky was silent for a long time before he said, We don't know. What do you mean? I mean, we... Kotsky swallowed hard enough that Shoto could hear, and when he looked around, his eyes were enormous. I mean, I'm building a fucking government from scratch. We haven't taken a census yet. 
The words did something to Shoto, opened up a yawning whirlwind of sheer, overwhelmed hopelessness. He hadn't given any real thought to Kotsky's role outside of all the ways it was different from Inji's. But he was. Fuck, he was right. He was building a new world with no real template. He couldn't join all those disconnected groups and rule them like... Like Inji, for example. Kotsky had to come up with something new. Shoto said quietly, We need to find out how many of these attacks have occurred on my father's lands. And how many people. Maybe, if we can get an average from Inji, we can get an idea of of how many people have been lost. You think he'll just tell us that? Kosky demanded. I can write him, Shoto said. I can send a letter with Ida. I don't, I don't know how helpful he'll be, but if this, those people were not the, were not the only ones in trouble, Kotsky interrupted. It was sudden and abrupt, and all at once, Shoto's chest ached with guilt. All those people, dozens of them, piled in that building just crumbling to ash or waiting to have their hands sawn off. There was more important things than Inji's politics. I was not sent in good faith, Shoto hissed abruptly. Kotsky furrowed his brows. What do you mean? I mean, I was supposed to filter information, to tell Inji things that you might not, might not want him to know. Kotsky's brows drew even closer together. Have you? No. Why not? Because I hate him. Kotsky snorted. And then said, You know what, Happy? I have an idea. What? Inji is not so easily manipulated. No. <laughs> no. We can... Let's talk about that later. Later? Yeah. Let's... Just for a minute, okay? What are you talking about, Katsuki? Come on. He led Shoto to the roof, where Kirishima usually landed. The sun would set soon, and it had been snowing lightly all week, so it wasn't deep. But everything was white, and the air had a crisp, sharp bite to it. I've been wondering... Kotsky said, voice a little strange, a little wheedling. Since that night we fought, you made these steps down into the arena. So? So, Kotsky drawled, and then pointed to the edge of the platform. Can you make a slide? A slide, Shoto said, incredulous. Uh... What? 
Come on, Haffy. I've seen you make big-ass walls the size of a mountain. You telling me you can't make a fucking slide just from here to the ground? What for? Shudder demanded, leaning forward a little and peering at the ground. It would be a very inefficient way to transport anything that was even remotely delicate. No. What? Fuck that. To slide down, stupid. To slide what down? My ass. Shoulda glared at him. You want me to use my magic to make you an enormous toy. Yes, fucking hell. You're such a stuck-up little bitch. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That would be incredibly dangerous. Bitch, I can practically fly. Come on. That's a, a waste of... I couldn't possibly. Why not? Because I, magic is, my magic is, this is hardly civilized. What good is having all that magic if you don't use it to do some stupid shit sometimes? Kotsky took one look at Shoto's flat, appalled glare and said, How about... He paused to put both his hands on his waist and thrust his hips out. As your king, I order you to make me a giant slide, motherfucker. Shoto narrowed his eyes and Koski said, Wait, wait, that defeats the... I'm fucking with you. Just do it because it's fun. Fun? Yes, it'll be fun. Shoto stared at Koski. Koski stared back. I don't think... Ah, uh, just do it, you pansy. Shoto glared at him for a long moment before he stepped forward and studied the edge of the platform. It was a long way to the ground, but because of the way the mountain rolled away and beneath them, not as long as it could be. You want to slide down this yeah sitting what you think I can do it standing Kotsky said in interest Shoto narrowed his eyes and looked back down if Kotsky wanted to sit down and slide well just do it I'm making calculations be patient Fuck kind of calculations. Just fucking make it. Shoto sighed sharply and turned to face him. I need to make sure you don't go careening off the edge and plummet to your death. Shoto snapped. Koski groaned and Shoto grew some ice. It started at his feet in a thick, silk smooth sheet that spread out and then crept down the side of the castle in a twisting chute. Shoto was careful, adding twists to keep the whole thing shallow and to keep the speed down. He assumed he'd guessed Kotsky's weight properly, 
but he still made the walls of it thicker and taller than strictly required, just to keep it safe. Kotsky crowed. Shoto stared at his creation and muttered, This is a very bad idea. Lighten up, princess, Kotsky told him. That is rather bold coming from you, don't you think? Shoto said. But Kotsky was already slipping along the little platform Shoto had built at the top, hands out to the side for balance. Wait, Shoto said sharply, dashing forward and grabbing at his cloak. I'm not done. And then gasped sharply then, because Kotsky was suddenly flying down the chute, and Shoto was being dragged along behind him, clinging to his cloak. The whole thing worked exactly as designed. After the little slip of the platform, they moved fast. Kotsky threw up his hands and whooped, and then almost overbalanced, and Shoto had to steady him. His heart was beating so fast it hurt, and he was so focused making minuscule adjustments to keep them from falling, roughing up the ice here to slow them down, making this wall taller so they wouldn't slide over it when they banked it up. The actual balancing act was nothing for Shoto, who was used to sliding around on slick ice, but Kotsky, despite all his hollering, was always half a second away from crashing back on his ass, and Shoto was the only reason he remained standing. Somewhere along the way, and it was a very long way, Shoto's chest opened up. Something light flipped over in his belly, and he stopped worrying about how close they were to catapulting over the side of the death trap Kotsky had forced him to build, and he just let his magic work. Walking on ice, sliding on it, was so second nature to him. He didn't actually have to think about what he was doing. He just did it. He yanked on Kotsky's cloak to keep to keep him up at one point, and Kotsky looked around at him, whole face split into that huge, manic grin he wore when he was doing something he knew was very stupid and very dangerous. Shoto didn't let go of him until they reached the last flat stretch of ice Shoto had built just for slowing down. Kotsky immediately fell back on his ass, laughing, and Shoto rolled his eyes as they both slid to a stop. Shoto had to do a little twist at the end to avoid tripping over Kotsky. When Shoto looked down at him, he was watching Shoto with an odd expression on his face. What? (laughs) Ha ha, Kotsky said very deliberately. (laughs) Made you laugh. Shoto felt his cheeks heat, and he reflexively covered his mouth with his hand, like he used to do when he was a child before he learned there was nothing in Inji's castle really worth laughing about. Gotsky bounded to his feet and said, I want to do it alone this time. You have to sit, Shoto snapped. You're going to get hurt. What? You can stand and I can't? I'm better than you. Kotsky made a foul gesture with his finger, and Shoto felt his lips twitching at the corners again. Damn him. Come on, 
Trotsky demanded, and he started moving towards the door leading back to the building. Shoto's ice monstrosity emptied out close to it. Shoto rolled his eyes and held out his hand. Kotsky eyed it a little suspiciously, but still accepted it, and Shoto paused long enough to pull him in close before he lifted them both up to the platform again. When the little pillar of ice started shooting skyward, Kotsky actually mumbled, Oh, shit and his hand on Shoto's arm tightened while he peered at the rapidly retreating ground. Shoto pushed him back onto the platform and then stepped onto it himself. I thought you could practically fly, Kotsky. Surely you're not unnerved by heights. Fuck you, princess, Kotsky said, and then he marched off towards the slide again. Wait... Shoto said. I need to fix a few other spots. Let me go first. Gotsky bowed, and Shoto stepped onto the platform. It was, less, it was less nerve-wracking with just him, and the wind past his ears was so exhilarating he almost felt a cheerful shout rising in his chest. Still, he made a few more adjustments, and it was, and was satisfied that without his interference, Kotsky would be able to ride down without hurting himself, Shoto hoped. When Shoto arrived back at the platform, Kotsky said, Well? I think it should be all right now, Shoto agreed. You rode that whole thing without even stumbling. I am used to walking on ice, Shoto said with a shrug. Kotsky rolled his eyes and took two steps towards the ice when Shoto said sharply, Uh, Kotsky? He drew up short and looked around. I, um, I never properly thanked you. For what? Kotsky demanded gruffly, furrowing his brows. Shoto swallowed, heart suddenly pounding for an entirely different reason. For not... For not leaving me, Shoto said quietly, in that village. Kotsky's face darkened a little. What kind of man you think I am, Affy? I would have, Shoto said abruptly. In your position, I... I would have. Kotsky watched him for a silence in the, for a long time, and then he said, no, you wouldn't have. Shoto almost opened his mouth to protest. You're not that kind of man. Maybe your daddy wanted you to be, but you're not. How do you, um, how do you know? Kotsky stared at him some more and then said, That thing was trying to get Kiri, and you couldn't stand up straight. And you still wouldn't let it. It almost killed you about four separate times. But you kept getting back up and putting yourself in between it and Kirishima. I don't remember that. Shoto murmured, suddenly unable to look Kotsky in the eye. Yeah, well, I remember all of it, Kotsky said bluntly. I can't stop remembering it. 
he added, and then looked away, blushing. Anyway, uh, kind of man who'd do that, I wouldn't have blamed you for for hiding or running, but you didn't, so. Shoto carefully released the breath he was holding. It wasn't in him to hide. It never had been. But your eyes, Princess Act, never fooled me anyway, Kotsky said, suddenly smug and crossing his arms over his chest. Shoto furrowed his brows in wordless question. Kotsky lifted one hand. You're like me. And then he let off a little explosion, a burst of fire that Shoto could smell in the crisp winter air. And before Shoto could reply, Kotsky barreled past him and dove at the slide. And he flew down it, laughing, cackling like a maniac. And Shoto thought of warriors and kings and battles and magic before he dashed over and followed. At the bottom, Shoto found an exuberant Kotsky and three servants peeking out the door and staring at the massive ice structure with wide, shocked eyes. Kotsky sent them after their spouses, after his spouses, told him to bring him some leather mats, too, and then blasted himself to the top of the platform again. Mina, Denki, and Kiri showed up, and then some servants, some of the people from Izuku's village, too. Word spread. Shoto had to make some adjustments to account for all the varying weights, and added slip of the leather mats they were using to keep from getting frostbite on the rears. Shoto found himself surrounded by laughter, and what was very strange was that wherever he looked, he found people smiling at him. When they'd all been out there for hours long enough that even Shoto's fingers were starting to feel too cold, Shoto heard a very quiet voice mumble, Kachan. When he turned his head, Kotsky beside him did the same. He found Izuku staring at Kotsky, eyes huge and red, hands twisted around each other in front of his chest. Kotsky glared at him and then turned to face him fully. Can, can we? Kotsky suddenly thrust out a leather mat. Izuku's brows went up, and he took it, question written all over his face. Try it out, Kotsky said, thumbing over his shoulder. It's fun. And then, very softly, you'll like it. Yeah? Yeah. Izuku looked down at the mat, and then up at Kotsky, and he smiled, a little hesitantly, a little unsure. Kotsky said, Go, stupid. And Izuku's smile twitched up just a little bit more. He went, and Shoto watched when he did. He watched Kotsky, watched the way Kotsky's eyes bored into the back of Izuku's head, watched them flick over Izuku's broad shoulders and trim waist and tight backside and knew suddenly exactly how much the simple sight of him made Kotsky ache. Kotsky took a big, slow breath 
shoulders falling on the exhale, and Shoto had the strangest urge to read out, reach out and touch him, to grab him by the shoulder and squeeze. Just a little bit of pressure, just so he'd know Shoto. Of course, Shoto didn't understand at all. How could he? He kept his hands at his sides, and both of them watched Izuku look around and gave them a watery smile before he disappeared over the edge of the platform. End of chapter 8